on 1116 SEM, the award-winning crunch time. Find your kind of value at Honda with offers across a range of vehicles. See honda.com.au and the TAC safety barriers reduce fatalities by approximately 85%. Safety barriers save lives. Getting us towards zero. Pittard falling into the hole, takes the relieving mark. Oh. And kicks dangerously. And it's knocked away by McGrath. And McDonald tip and Woody pounced onto the right boot, swooping and puts it through for Bagley. He's a chance. He goes to ground, still standing with Laverde. He's got a red hot start. He's kicked another goal. Parrish in the marking contest, knocked over. Langford snapping and goaling. They can do no wrong, the Bombers. Now, this is an embarrassing start to a game when you're still alive. More possessions and 11 more tackles. How's that happen? Accommodating bounce needed, and that's exactly what Ebert got, and he should kick a goal from there with the time and space, and that's what he does. That's the best of ball on display. He aims to kick it right up. Oh! He went up to the fifth story, and then higher again, Aaron Francis. Wow. What a mark. He just stood the ball spills to Langford and he snaps around the corner. What? And that might be it. What? How did he kick that goal? Goddard to Zaharakis, the man who started it off, uh, might just finish it. Whoa. Party time now. That will be all she wrote for Port Adelaide. And season 2018 is over for Port Adelaide and Essendon. Not a lot of satisfaction for either team, but Brendan Goddard's magnificent contribution to AFL footy may be at an end, and the emotion is clear. The Port Adelaide players are slumped. A shocking end of the season for them, and the Bombers blew up, and who knows what might be ahead for them. Disappointed that uh, we missed out on the eight. Massive amount that we've learned throughout the year, and also uh, building that chemistry of how we want to play. And, you know, once we started to nail that, we saw the how good we can be. So if you sit there and start saying what ifs, uh, you, you can just go around in a circle. Uh, we haven't won enough games to qualify for the eight this year, so we weren't good enough over the course of 22 rounds. Essendon finishes on a winning note and Brendan Goddard goes out strong. But does it merely emphasise the opportunity missed? Bombers coach John Warsfold is our headline guest. This footy club has let everyone down. As us, as a football department, we've let the football club down. We'll, we'll understand that. We'll look at it really, really closely. And we'll make the decisions that have to be made. The what and the why will come. The what's clear to me. What happened? Contest broke. The why... Give me some time, we'll work through that with the coaches and we'll come We'll come up with the why. Why do we fall off in big moments? It's been a trend and again, what do I know? I know the why. I'll, I'll do some more work and I'll find some detail as to why and then we'll fix it. An emotional and in his own words, wounded Ken Hinckley is looking for answers after the reality of a wasted season hits hard. We're not just going to sit idly by and not, you know, protest against these things. Seems like they go out there trying to look for ways to find people. I think they made twenty-six thousand dollars this week. Let's hope that goes to charity, not back to the AFL. After sitting down last Tuesday with Scotty and, and having a really good discussion about what my future is looking like, I've come to the right time for me to re- retire. It was my hundred and fiftieth game, and I just had a complete meltdown and in my room and cried for probably an hour. I can confirm today that Sam Murray is the subject of an investigation from ASADA. The intensity of the week spiked with revelations of the drug investigation engulfing a young magpie. We'll dissect it all in the crunch. 
Plus, Brian Cook will join us after re-signing the coach long-term. It's another massive edition of Crunch Time for Honda. Find your kind of value at Honda with offers across a range of vehicles. See honda.com.au and the TAC. Safety barriers save lives, getting us towards zero. The top eight is confirmed as to who will play who. That is still to be decided over the next 48 hours. We've reached round 23 and a glorious Saturday afternoon at the MCG as if the stage is just having the final touches put to it ahead of September. The Tiger banners are going out as they prepare for the Western Bulldogs. We'll see a lot of them on this very stage over the next few weeks. An exciting time for those that have made it. For those that haven't, like the two teams that did battle last night, lots of questions and maybe not too many answers. Essendon were impressive though as they won 17-9 to 111 to 13 11 89 over Port Adelaide. A lot to discuss this morning. We'll speak to Brian Cook down at Geelong. And as Jared mentioned, John Walsfold will also be our headline guest as we look back on last night and look ahead to what might be for the Bombers. They were pretty good, uh, Essendon. Jared, I suppose that question about whether their season is wasted or not. Uh, we can ask again and discuss further. It probably was, but also there is a lot uh, that would get Essendon supporters excited when you look at the players that are 26 years and under and what they might be able to do next year. Eight wins from 11 on the way home, and I reckon that tangible sense is, is that it? Is that all we get to play when they were in the rooms last night? So you can't make that big a mess of your first eight weeks and not pay for it later on. They were interesting studies, though, last night. As Port Adelaide were alive, but only in theory. Yep. And that's how they came out onto the ground as they had taken so many hits on the way they hadn't grasped the opportunities maybe the truth was they hadn't been good enough to grasp them but if you do go back round 17 they played the twilight game in Perth against Fremantle it was anticipated that they would win had they won that they would have been level on points with Richmond and West Coast on 48 in third place only on percentage they lose that and they lose six of their last seven and they miss the eighth that is blundering an opportunity. And emotional Ken Hinkler, as I mentioned last night, uh, speaking after the game. Uh, we'll play that for you very, very shortly. You might have heard the sound of a chopper there in the background. <laughs> that was just our uh, other panel members of uh, Crunch Time landing in Geelong, and they've quickly made their way up to the commentary position. And I speak of Bob Murphy and Nick Del Santo, who are the team this Saturday morning. Uh, gentlemen, how's things down uh, at Sleepy Hollow? Hello, Anthony. Hello, Jared. G'day, Nick. Hello, uh, bu- it's beautiful down here. Sun is shining. The the flags have just got a little a little bit of movement, but perfect conditions for footy. Should be a, should be a should be a classic. No excuses. If you're Geelong, would you rest any players going into today's game now that uh, their position in terms of making the eight is not on the line? No, I wouldn't think so, Hutto, because of the week off next week. And I think when you look at the plays, and I'm going to revert, um, refer back to the JLT series, you want to get that momentum. You want to get that continuity in your body. And I know that the players from the JLT to where we are now have probably played 24 to 25 games of footy. But I still think as a player, you like that preparation to be very consistent. So you get the week off next week already. I reckon that's already a balancing act, particularly for the Cats that have got a really poor record coming off after the mid-year bye. I think as a player, you'd only prefer to have one weekend off unless... You have something that you've been carrying for a very long time and it probably is worthy of two weeks off. But no, I think as a player, you prefer to play this one, full dress rehearsal, make sure you get through the game unscathed, unreported, have the weekend off and then launch into September. Nick, you've played a lot of final series. Uh, how, how, how do you view... So 
if, if today's result goes the way we think it does, where Geelong should, should belt Gold Coast off the park, how would you feel about going into a final series with having beaten Fremantle by 130 points and then and then another easy one against the Gold Coast? Would that make you feel a little, <laughs> bit, un, a little bit uneasy? Well, what's the, the, the alternative is you say, oh, we came up against the opposition's best and we, we had a really good hit out. It's perfect preparation. <laughs> you know, you can only play who you presented with and they touched up the Dockers last week. The flip side is, Bob, that you all have a really good run and you get your hands on the football and you all feel really good about yourself. Yeah, absolutely. But when I look at Geelong... And I know they've got a lot of young players that we often speak about that haven't, you know, they get carried along a little bit by the big boys. But I reckon there's enough leadership at this football club that have been through finals more than anyone, yeah. been to the very pointy end of September and got to the let, job done. To let them know that in two yeah. weeks it'll be like blunt yeah, trauma. That, and yeah, absolutely. That's the importance of leadership. And there's different, ex- different examples of leadership, but I reckon that is a huge one for the Cats. You'd expect them, as you said, to get the job done today very comfortably but then quickly put it aside, have your weekend off and get your preparation right for a fortnight's time. Three weeks ago, it felt like this round would go down to the last day, yeah. to the last game. <laughs> yes. it's, it, it has fizzed a bit, to it be has. honest. Yeah. <laughs> it looked like a team with 14 wins might miss the eight, and as it turns out, as is always the case, the ninth team is on 12 wins. Um, I, just, I've, I feel just a fraction shortchanged coming into today and yeah. tomorrow. Well, I'm doing Adelaide and Carlton and North Melbourne and St Kilda, so I feel a little bit more shortchanged. I'm excited about the race for the Coleman, so I really want to talk about that uh, a little bit later on. Let's listen to Ken Hinckley if we can. Um, Port Adelaide are a fascinating study. I mean, given all that happened last year and... Well, it didn't cost them much in terms of uh, draft picks. It was pick 31. Basically, they gave up for the, the players that they bought in. There was no doubt there was cards on the table. They were going for it this year. They've fallen incredibly short, missed the eight completely. And as Jared alluded to, after being in a position where they should have been pushing for top four, they will be spectators in September. So there was a lot to, a lot of ears to Ken Hinckley last night. It's clear that when we play good footy, we compete contest-wise, and we hunt. When we play really poor footy, we drop off in those two areas. Contest and hunt team. And we haven't been that. If you look at the last six weeks, that's where we're broken. Let's not be unsure. We've been we're broken in that space. This this footy club has let everyone down. As us, as a football department, we've let the football club down. We'll, we'll understand that. We'll look at it really, really closely, and we'll make the decisions that have to be made. The what and the why will come. The what's clear to me. What happened? Contest broke. The why... Give me some time. We'll work through that with the, with the coaches, and we'll come we'll come up with the why, and we'll be really certain of the why. Was it personnel? Was it game style? If it's game style, I'll own it. I, I don't mind the criticism. We deserve criticism when we perform what we did in the last six weeks. I can't. I'm not going to avoid it. Look forward to it. Make me better. If we, as a footy club, can't get harder together, we won't get where we want to go. Now we've we've shown enough good stuff. Everyone's seen enough good stuff, and that's why people mark us. Like they do, because they say there's some stuff there that's really good. Why do we fall off in big moments? It's been a trend. And again, why do I know? I know the what. I'll, I'll do some more work and I'll find some detail as to why. And then we'll fix it. It's as wounded as, as I've felt, I reckon, in my time in footy. Wounded. Remember that? I'm not dead and I won't be. But we've copped one as a team and we, we're in it together. It's not just me, the whole coaches. But I, gee, I look forward to it. I really look forward to it. I won't go down easy. They're fighting words, aren't they, from Ken Hinckley? He, he loses a couple from his coaching staff, first and foremost. Matthew Nix is going to GWS. Now, Brendan Laid is also part of the company that's been announced today. Suspect he could end up at Moorabbin, um, but he's, he's only been there for a short time. So we'll wait and see what happens there. Um, what sort of change? What, what is, how do you solve a problem like Port Adelaide, to, <laughs> to grab a quote from a famous 
movie. Uh, Bob, start with you. Nice easy one for you on a Saturday. <laughs> well, I, I, it's. I mean, they're obviously going to forensically go into it, but then, gee, that was the, the, the thing about Ken there. That was. I mean, I got the, sort of the hairs on the back of my neck sort of standing up there. That's the good stuff about footy. And shout out to the cameraman last night who covered that game because some of the camera footage of, of Ken Hinckley and, and Koshy in the stands, and there was some footage at three-quarter time, I think, where Ken was talking to some of his players. And yeah, the, there was there, Yeah, it was, you know, it was like the, the look, you know, it was, it was daggers of the look. Um, oh, look, it's such a disappointment. I mean, in some ways, last night's game was the disappointment cup, but with... Essendon sort of finish, you know, with hands and heels to the line. They've got that, an optimism and also a bit of a, geez, imagine if, you know, imagine if, and the Port Adelaide be, there's just this sort of hollow feeling of, what the hell happened there with the, the last, you know, losing six of the last seven, and one, you know, in the Ken Hinckley era, that wasn't the catchphrase was always, you know, we never give up, or there's some, you know, words to that, if that was the mantra of the footy club, well they, you know, I'm not sure if they gave up, but gee, they fell in a hole badly, badly. To, I mean, the start of the game last night was, was soulless, which would be as concerning as anything. Del, do, do you have faith that they can be right back up there? and Or do they need to have a really good look at their, their list? Their, their midfield, and Kane Corns has been pretty strong in this area. Is it too same-same? Yeah. It's a, and it's they're going to lose their, their real outside runner in, in Jared Polak, Polak it yeah, seems. You would expect that. I mean, I was very bullish, as a lot of us were, mid-year that things could really turn around for them. And they were. They were on the up. Now, I look at what I think you need to be really competitive in September, and I think they have a lot of that. Inside midfielders, guys that can win the contested football. Outside polish, guys that can use the football. Are they skillful? They've got a solid defence. They've got to have a solid four line when there's a lot more of um, the players playing when they're not injured and they've got a really good ruckman. Now, when you put that all together, that is why I think I'm disappointed with the way that they played that first quarter last night. They're down by 40-7 to 7 at quarter time, and then after that, they actually win by 10 points for the remaining three quarters. Ultimately disappointing. I think that's a good word. Ken Hinckley used the word wounded, and I'm with mm. you, Bob. When I just heard that, and that's the first time I've heard Ken speak in that regard, I like his mindset already. Mm. It's not a defeatist. It's, yep, you've got us. We're one down, but we're going to be back. Now, I quickly look at their list and some of their age demographics. So you expect them to probably lose Pollock, Dixon, Gray, Westoff, Boak, Ebert, and Ryder. If it's not going to happen in the next year or two, mm. it might be a, a, a big turning point where they're on the way down again. So where do I see them, Hutto? I think they could turn this around for maybe 12 more months. And then post that. All, ch- all chips on the table next everything. year, isn't it? Um, and they did that this year, yeah. let's be honest. When you bring in Watts, Motlop and Rockcliffe, you're pot committed. You, you've gone for it if and they repeat this, If they repeated this year, next year, they big change, you'd think. Huge change. Yeah, yeah, yeah I don't reckon that. they... I don't think they have that luxury. I think they have to make change. Whatever that constitutes now is their on-field leadership doesn't get it done. Yeah, yeah, and there correct. is enough evidence for Ken to know that's the case. And for that, that faith and demand to be broken. That I don't see it, how he can front up next year and go, no, this time they'll get it done. Cause he had, that was a hallmark of his yep. early coaching, wasn't it? That on, that trust he had in, in, in the boat led leadership out there. But ultimately, as good as it, and promising as it was, and as close as they became, that's a long time ago now. So well, how does that, how does that materialize then, guys? Is it, is it a change of captaincy? Is it moving players on? How does it, how I does think it... that would happen to I start think with. there would have to be a change in the setup of the leadership. Yep. Um, and I don't see how they could just roll their list out again and go, no, this time it will be better. Who would be a, a, 
an attractive target out of that midfield group for them to, you know, work with that they're prepared to, to lose. I mean, is Ebert really going to get you much if, if, if he's the player? Well, they, I think they all play a role, Hutto. Like, I, I like him because I think he's probably their most balanced midfielder in regards to running both ways. Oh, Ollie. Hutto doesn't. He's, he's gone. Oh, no, I'm, <laughs> no, no, I'm not saying that at all, but... If, no, if, but, but if, isn't this the question? Is uh, So there's a, you can like them. Yeah. You can absolutely like them, yeah, except that yeah. last year they lost their elimination final at home and this yeah. year they missed the eight. Is it? It is a big leap of faith to go, no, next time it'll be okay. And I, I'm not sure that... I don't think Ken actually has the, the luxury or the comfort to go, no, no, next time it'll be fine. Well, i put one to you, Bob. I mean, just hearing Ken speak just then, post-game, he spoke about it wasn't structural things. It's about winning the contested ball and the pressure that they put on. Now, contested ball is a lot of different things, but a lot of it is also want and desire. Mm. So when the heat is on and it comes down to those finer moments when games can be won or lost, me reading into what Ken says is we don't want it enough or we don't execute under those most in- intense moments. Can you turn that around in the summer? Can you do something different to get this group to going? As we're referencing, saying, okay, he's going to go again with this group. He's okay with the personnel. How do you change a mindset to get them to get the job done? Well, I think, and I've got a slightly different read to to Jared and and, and maybe Hutto as well. That I, I think that Ken might back them in, but the, the the sense of desperation of it's all all chips are on the table next year. These are my guys. They can do it. That's that's the thing. Yeah. They, they actually can do it. That midfield is is a potential midfield behemoth in terms of contested footy and appetite for that. But it goes missing for reasons that you know he's he's yeah. not even quite sure about at the moment. So Bob, when did they do it? Sorry, when did they? So, yeah. So they can do it, but when did they do it? They, they I would just argue they don't do it. They mm. look like they can do it, and they look like they should do it, but they don't do it. Reality is, last night, if if Leuenberger doesn't go down, or if Bell Chambers had played in that game, they would have lost by 70 points. The I... only reason they got back in the game is because they had a ruckman that could tap the ball to their yeah. midfielders. Yeah, Jake Stringer wasn't even going up at times, was he? I agree with that last part. Did we Hutto. feel like this six weeks ago, though? No, no but, but we covered the game on the Friday this is what night. Happened. This is what happened is they looked like they were going to finish top two and they ended up missing the eight. Is, is that's, that's what happened. Is you, I, I can't cut them off with seven weeks ago and go, yeah, they were right. They were going to do it. Is they own the next seven weeks when they fell in a hole. We can come back to this and of course discuss the bombers. John Walsfold's going to join us. Uh, but next, Brian Cook to talk about the really interesting season Geelong have had, what they are capable of in the finals and the decision to re-sign and extend Chris got way into the future. He'll join us next. This is Crunch Time for Honda. Find your kind of value at Honda. See honda.com.au and the TAC Safety Barriers Save Lives. Getting us towards zero. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Palmer bet on the edge of the box. Oh, it's a straight up screamer. Download our app today and enjoy straight up screamers this FIFA World Cup with great odds, great promos and same game multi at Palmer Gamble responsibly. For gambler's help, call 1-800-858-858.
916 SEN, the award-winning crunch time. Find your kind of value at Honda with offers across a range of vehicles. See honda.com.au. Welcome back. This is Crunch Time for Honda. Find your kind of value at Honda. See honda.com.au. And the TAC Safety Barriers Save Lives, getting us towards zero. Uh, the Geelong CEO, Brian Cook, about to join us. He's alongside Dell and Bob Murphy down at Geelong. Jerry Waitley, Anthony Hudson with you here at the MCG. John Warsfold will join us as a special guest as we continue to talk about last night. But the Cats, uh, well, they had the job done for them last night by Port Adelaide, uh, m- making sure that we'll, by Port Adelaide going down to Essendon, ensuring that the Cats will be fine. Finalist again this year, Brian Cook joins us. Uh, morning to you, Brian. Were you watching last night, just hoping that uh, Essendon did the right thing for you? Yes, I was actually. I, I was, uh, had a keen interest in the game last night, and, and I, I feel I felt a little bit relieved, all bit for a, for a small amount of time before. And I never got any SMSs. I thought I might have got a few. Well done, Cookie, or whatever. So I didn't get one. So obviously, uh, you know, there's bigger things ahead for a lot of people. Would you have think been a little bit nervous going into today with everybody expecting Geelong just to beat the Gold Coast? Would that have presented a bit of a challenge to the team? Yeah, probably. I mean, some sort of challenge for sure. Um, when I looked at the, I'm not a betting man. I can't be, by the way. But when I looked at the betting yesterday, we were a dollar one. And Gold Coast was seventeen dollars, and I'm thinking, oh, I hate this. I really hate this. Keep that away from the players. <laughs> Brian, so, you've shown yeah. you've shown uh, extraordinary faith, really, in Chris Scott by extending the contract the length you have. Why the need to extend him so far? Um, a, a strong personal belief I have is that you know you you've got to think of the short term and the long term, and so. For any coach, it's about this week, next month, in particular next month for us, next year and the next five years. So, so I think coaches have got to have skin in the game if they're good coaches. And uh, Chris is a good coach, like like pretty much all of the coaches in the top eight, to be honest. And so um, uh, for stability and for growth and for the uh, transition uh, post-Dangerfield, Selwood and Ablett, uh, I think we need someone who makes decisions not only for this week, for the, but for the next five years. And Chris is ideally that person. When you tried to look at him, as you would have been making a decision like this and what he's achieved, how, did you, how do you define success? Obviously, his coaching record in win-loss is incomparable, basically. But haven't, Geelong haven't reached the level in the finals that, obviously, you would have hoped since the, the Premiership of 2011. So how did, how did you come up with the... the the assessment of Chris's uh, coaching ability in a, in a, in a success sense? Oh, it's pretty much uh, the reasons we employed him in, the, in Chris in the first place. It's uh, the, the, the technical skills he's got. It's the uh, management skills he has, the leadership skills. He's fit into the culture. Uh, his personal qualities around passion and energy and, uh, and, and you know, relationship building. So there's a lot of... Um, there's a lot of areas, and uh, not simply the, the win-loss ratio. Um, you know, our football club uh, has all of its teams in the finals this year. You know, the, uh, that's the first time since the under-19s we've had three teams in the finals. So, look, the, the club is going well. Um, is it going excellently? No, because we're not, not in the top four and, and so forth. So, but, you know, you never know in the finals we might, might be okay. We might win a few games and, 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 and gather a bit of momentum. But, uh, yeah, they're, they're the reasons. Would it have been a failure... If, they hadn't, if you hadn't made finals this year? Do you have assessed the season as a fail? Uh, I would have been really disappointed. Um, certainly a, probably a failure on field. Um, but at the start of the year, if someone had said to me, look, if you can win 14 or 15 games, 
would you take it? And I probably wouldn't. And we've got to 13, so we're not far off, um, you know. We're not far off, uh, you know, of being, uh, achieving uh, some of the early goals. And remember also, you know, the footy club is not simply about on field. It's about our sponsorships and, and GMHBA and Ford. It's about our membership, which has gone to 65,000. We have an alternative training venue at uh, Warren Ponds, which is the MCG size. I, I could go on and on. So w- there's a lot of other key performance areas where we're, we're going really, really well. Brian, have you thought about who you'd like to play in the first week of the finals? <laughs> no, not really. No, no. Uh, to, to be honest with you, I, I actually haven't had, haven't looked at the table too much over the last two or three weeks because, you know, really it was about us winning games. Were you, were you anticipating uh, around more round 23 anxiety? Because, yeah. because <laughs> we were. We, a, few, a few weeks out, we were thinking that's yeah. going to be an uncomfortable oh, round ab- 23. Absolutely. You know, I'm thinking that uh, today's game is going to be, we're going to be on, on the edge of the seat all day. And, you know, that, that, that churning feeling in your gut, which I get, and all those things. I thought that might have been and probably would have been the case this, today. Well, I suppose the percentage is, is going to be the mm. thing of interest today. Mm. Small, small fry, I know. Mm. But with, uh, with Tom Hawkins in the, in the running for, for the Coleman medal, mm. we were discussing earlier around of the full forwards who are capable, mm. who, who wants it the most. What, yeah. can, you, can you give us an insight into, would Tom, would Tom have an eye on it? Does he have an eye on that medal? <laughs> Look, I don't think he would have, you know, an intense eye on it. Knowing Tom, you know, I, 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 have, I have this vision where he, he kicks three or four or five goals. He, he come, he, he's equal with Ben Brown and Lance Franklin, and and he, he's got the ball in the last quarter. He, he kick a goal and he passes it off. Oh, that, no. that, that's the vision I have right now, <laughs> and, I, and I think Tom would be okay with that. And every full forward pass and present just shake his head. <laughs> yeah, yeah, cut it out, Tom! Kick a goal. <laughs> hey, cool, you, you just touched on how mm. to measure the season. Mm. I'm not saying that you will in the coming weeks, but mm. if you don't win a final, mm. does that change your, your your measurement of where the club's at right now? You've made finals, so you feel like mm. that's not a failure on field, but what yeah, happens if yeah. in a fortnight's time that doesn't go to plan? How do you see that, and then what changes in your approach going forward? Yeah, look, I, I'd be really disappointed that we, we couldn't win a final if that happened, but, you know... <laughs> I, I, I wouldn't change a lot of the strategies that we're, we're, we're thinking about. I mean, um, it, this, is, this is a long-term game. We've got good coaches, good players. We've been going through a transition for many, many years now. We only have four players left from 2011. Mm. And yet we've finished, I think, in the finals every year apart from 15 and been in the finals 13 out of 15 years. There's a lot of clubs, ask Melbourne, who just you know, have made the eight once in 12 years. So... I think our, our supporters uh, understand we've had a great deal of success. We're now going through a transition. It's taking a while, and we haven't bottomed out. Mm. If you don't bottom out, it's actually difficult at times to get in the top four again because of the draft picks and so on and so forth. So that's, that, that's you know, the, the choice for us might be, look, um, would you prefer to finish seventh and eighth and not have a great chance of winning the grand final, or go to the bottom and get your draft picks and go to the top four. That's the reality. I went through that at the West Coast Eagles during the 90s. Um, uh, And for for us, uh, you know, we've probably not taken either path, sort of right in the middle, um, because we can't afford to bottom out. But is that also a reflection? You talk about not going to the bottom, that Mm. you've got players that can almost single-handedly always keep you in that middle bracket. Mm. And and that's following on to my next question. Mm. You've got the big three. There's so much spoken yep. about them. What is your contingency when they eventually move on? What is the oh. plan when... I mean, they may play... The way they're going, it may yeah. be forever, and yeah, we yeah. accept that, and we all love them. There's no doubt yeah. about that. Yeah. 
But it's a list, you, man- you got, it's a list you, management issue. But you seem so. to do it better than anybody. Why and how? How do you maintain well, it? I mean, how the Geelong way is to try and uh, you know attract, and Wellesley's way, which is part of Geelong way, is trying to attract uh, players with enough talent but with great character. You know, it's it's what we've been doing for 20 years now, and uh, Sydney does the same. I think uh, Hawthorne to a large extent does, and, and I think it works. I think it works. You made you made the statement there, Brian. We can't afford to bottom out. Mm. Why? Why do you say that? Um, it, commercially, if we finished on the bottom two years in a row, it would be hard for us to maintain a P&L, you know, a, a cash flow that's going to work for us. Um, we average our average attendance about thirty thousand, a bit less, about twenty nine. Um, we really need to get that up to about thirty five, I think, in, in order for us to finish on the bottom in a in a you know in a successive sense, in a continuous sense. Um, and I won't go through all of the financials, but that's 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 the bottom line for us. We we probably need to uh, get a bigger crowd, and that won't happen until we get a bigger stadium. For the teams that do bottom out, mm. priority picks are being spoken about, and Tim Kelly's being used as sort of the poster boy for giving bottom clubs access to mature age players, as if maybe there was a long queue for Kelly, and somehow or another Geelong ended up with him, which I don't actually think matches the reality. Where are you and the debate around helping the bottom teams with some sort of special access priority or otherwise? Um, hmm. I think there needs to be some some help. Uh, I don't know to what extent. I hope it's not overboard because quite often what you find is whatever help you do provide the bottom sides, it takes three or four years for it to, to come to fruition. Uh, there's no really quick fix in this, in my opinion, unless you get some senior players who, uh, you know, through free agency or some other mechanism. Um, so I think that we should increase the, the help we do give to the bottom sides, but not to the extent where... You know, it's it's a real problem for other clubs for some years. Are you frustrated that Tim Kelly hasn't extended at this stage, given the year he's had, Brian? Oh, not really. No, he's got another year to go. Uh, so, um, you know, we've basically got another 13, 14 months to work through this. Um, and, you know, I haven't got... Personally, I've got no intention of, of considering a uh, a transfer or a, over, to, over to Perth um, for, for Tim. The issue for us is to provide a, a lot of support around him and his family and uh, try to ensure that he's, his entire family is comfortable in Geelong in the longer term. And, and you think, you're confident you can do that? Yes, yeah, I, I am. Yeah, we are. Um, yep. Okay. The return of Gary Ablett, has it been what you hoped it would be? Yes, I think so. Yeah, I, I, no, I thought that Gary might start off a bit slow and come home well. And uh, it's the first time he's played final since 2010 or 11 when he left. Uh, 2010, yeah. So end yeah, of 10. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, I, I, I think it's a bit of a win-win, really. You know, Gary plays finals, and we, he's getting 30, 30 touches a game the last six weeks on average. So he's playing really well. He's come back for the right reasons, and, and I think everyone respects that. Do you think he's been marked hard publicly during the year? Uh, at times, yes. Yeah. For a 34-year-old, yes. Has he coped with that pretty well? No, he's been excellent. He's um, he's he's managed that well. Brian, uh, well, what could have been a really big and nervous day, uh, you can just sit back and relax now and count Tommy's goals. Yeah, the only thing I'm worried about today is uh, Tommy's goals and injury. Hopefully there's no injuries. <laughs>
Or That's report. about it. Or report. Or report. Yeah. Good Will luck. they rest anyone, Brian? No, no, I don't think so. No. Has Tom got a contract uh, um, <laughs> bonus? Bonus for winning the Coleman? Or not? <laughs> no, 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 no. I've got a funny story about that. If you had time, in terms of bonuses, I remember what, it was two thousand, two thousand and seven or eight, seven. eight, eight. Seven. All Australians, yeah, and. Uh, the All-Australian team and the first two or three that got announced, I was clapping them madly and, and widely and, and loudly by about number eight. And I think we had 11. <laughs> yeah. they, and they all had bonus. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. In their contracts, I think it cost us half a million. So now we have no all Australian bonuses, not one. <laughs> Thanks for joining us, Brian. Good luck in the finals. See you later, guys. Bye. Life's so full on. I've been working on this deck for ages. These steaks don't cook themselves, you know. Life's good with a Trex deck. Composite decking made from 95% recycled materials that won't rot, stain, or fade. Trex, the world's number one decking brand. On 11.16 SEM, the award-winning crunch time. Find your kind of value at Honda with offers across a range of vehicles. See honda.com.au. Is there a cultural issue at Collingwood? Clearly there is. Kane lives in Adelaide. He doesn't know anything about the Collingwood culture or the situation. It's a fair question to ask, though, and we'll be investigating that ourselves. I kind of got instantly, like, real frustrated because you can't make comments like that from outside the four walls when you don't really know internally what's going on. And as far as I know, what we're, what we're at the moment, what we're building and the feeling amongst the group and, I would say, culture, it's as strong as it's been. And if... Like the investigation, that's, a, that's an if, like works out in a, in a bad light for Sam Murray. That does not change anything within the club. It's quarter to 12. Welcome back. This is Crunch Time. Various voices there. Jeremy Howe was the last you heard. Of course, Kane Corns and Eddie Maguire discussing the situation at Collingwood regarding Sam Murray and his initial positive test uh, for, well, what it was illicit drugs, but, but uh, read as performance-enhancing given that he tested positive on match day. Where does this story go next, Jared, or is it just the waiting game we play now? And obviously he's not going to be, Collingwood are not going to play him if he decides to, to play out and uh, the, the full legal system. But uh, where does it go next, do you think? So the testing of the B sample, is the, and that's usually a formality in these things. I, I mean, the, the basic is, is he going to serve a four-year ban? Do you think he'll serve the full oh, well, I amount? can't. Uh, on what we know thus far, and we clearly don't know all the details, is... If you test positive for cocaine on game day, that, it's just straight up and down. So Collingwood already knows this with two players who have faced two years from uh, Clint Buterol is Wendell Saylor. Like, there's no comfort for Sam Murray in any example in recent times in a football code in Australia. Mm. Is This is the absolute no-no. It did. So I felt yesterday... I might have misread this, so I'm happy to say that up front. It didn't land with the same... Gravitas, hammer blow. Like, this is a huge embarrassment for a sport when this happens. It's devastating for an individual and it's appalling for a club. 
to have it happen, to have a player test positive to a banned substance on game day and be facing a four-year ban, that's devastating it to would a club. Have, it would have hit harder if it had been performance-enhancing drugs, though, wouldn't it? Except that that delineation... No, I know. I mean, cocaine on game day is performance-enhancing. Mm. That, that's And everybody knows that's it. That's true, yeah. I... You know, the Wendell Saylor example from not that many years ago is is pretty clear on that front. And then if you run it through to the, you know, Richard Ings talks about, well, it washes through your system in one to three days. So when was Sam Murray doing it in relation to a game? How how cavalier, how otherwise is the circumstances that that will be dealt? But there's no comfort here in that there'll be anything other than a four-year ban and a young man has, has blown his career sky high. What were your impressions when you heard about it, Bob? Uh, sadness was the was the first one. The, uh, you know, a, a young man who's made a just horrific, horrific error, um, and he's going to cost himself here. Uh, you know, probably going to cost himself his career because yeah, like like Jared's just sort of spoken to it. The sense you get is there's there's no wriggle room in in a in, a, in this, and that you know a four year ban is is likely, which. I don't know if he comes back from that. It's a yeah, tragic story. What about the Collingwood aspect of this? That, you know, that yeah, the question's absolutely fair. <laughs> I mean, just that... And then acknowledge Yeah, that. there are two players who tested positive on game day to a drug which cost them two years, and then there's another player and with the revamp laws who'll go four years. So the, the question is absolutely legitimate for Collingwood to front up to, and Jeremy Howe can be as affronted as he likes, is... There is a, a pattern of offence. Now, is it a pattern of behaviour? That's that's a question for others to answer. But from outside, the questions are absolutely legitimate. Yeah, and I guess. Sorry, go, Bob. No, no, I was just saying. I mean, it, in terms of that, I mean, you're right. I mean, it's got it's got a ribbon on it for you know for for you know for the media and you know and people you know with with an opinion. And, and Kane was very strong on that, as he, as he always is. Because there is the there is the precedent of it, you know, the the Keith and Thomas from from a few years ago, and and now this one. It's, so it's it's an easy, it's you know, it's they they'll have to they'll have to live with that Collingwood, um, whether it is or not, whether you whether we whether it really is a cultural problem. I'm not I'm I'm not too sure about that, but the you know you become a punching bag at this point. So the question is that sits over them is. Is drug use rife at Collingwood? And you can roll in, you know, fairly or unfairly, the, the reporting of positive tests from the off-season and the banning of players from how they were on uh, on game day. And the burden of uh, of proof to say that it's not sits with Collingwood. Uh, that, that's that's what the public record now says. Yeah, and it does. And I, I guess this sort of flies in the face of what Nathan Buck, the whole thing Nathan Buckley was trying to lead at the This club. is what's so devastating for them is this is the year where they have they've put it all together and they put it all the only way you can judge is what happens on the field and they have bought in in a way that you've sort of been waiting for for a few years and then this happens and it, it's it's to be judged just as what happens on the field um this has happened it's a it's a matter of fact yep uh, the circumstances are now to be determined but it, it runs counter to everything that we believe Collingwood has been able to put together this year, and thus it's theirs to deal with, and it's theirs to deal with privately. It's also theirs to deal with publicly. They and and I guess the AFL are now largely bystanders in this process, aren't they? And, and if they've learned anything, it's to just 
sit quietly and let the statutory body actually do its work. Yeah, and so he won't train or play, even if he's permitted, given the, the circumstances. So, uh, obviously... And, and he, he would be mad to. He would, yeah. Uh, so, for however this pans out and whatever, if he's able to mount any sort of defence, is you take what you can immediately. Now, yeah, yeah. But uh, I think his his legal people would be sitting there going, well, we haven't got... We just don't have a play here. Yeah, well, he, and obviously, from a Collingwood point of view, he... He was new to the club, and whether they can use that as some sort of argument in terms of the culture discussion. Yes, yes, and, and but that's for Collingwood to do. It is. It's not for us to pull our punches and go, oh, no, no, this must just be a one-off. That, that's not the, the role of the scrutiny from the outside. Is There is a there's a pattern of incident. Is it a pattern of behaviour? That's for Collingwood to answer. Yes, uh, which they'll have to do. And what, what does it do to them? So well, last time this happened, so yeah. when, when the Herald Sun ran the front page saying there were... Um, I've forgotten the exact wording. These things should live with me. Um, as to the number of positive tests Robo's, there yeah. had been, uh, it materially impacted on the players. They got smashed, didn't they? Yeah, yeah. And Eddie Maguire subsequently, some sometime subsequently, spoke about you know walking through airports feeling like criminals and the like. Uh, it, it had a material impact on the way that they carried themselves and their results on the field. I wouldn't say that. This, just quickly, but would you see this having some sort of similar impact or not? Uh, I don't know, Hutto, but it, these things have a habit of splintering or galvanising. Yeah. So the the and and the first weekend, and this is this is speaks to some of the you know the sort of absurdity of our game, but Collingwood win. The, some of some of the oxygen is taken away from it. They they lose, have a bad loss, then it becomes a, a mountain. The the other one was a broader sweep, wasn't it? I mean, it they was. all it, felt that they'd been unfairly. Yeah, some and of they were implicated. Whether whether they were or they weren't, there were a there was a quarter of them who were implicated in it. Is for the moment this is contained to one player who hasn't been there for very long. So. Um, the fact that it's so close to finals, that makes yeah. it interesting as well, doesn't it? Does. It? it Maybe does. Maybe it, it makes it easier for them to just compart, you know, just... Well, I think, I think from, you know, the psychology of it, I, I find really, and I've found Collingwood interesting all year, that over the summer, you know, they were, they were the Richmond of last year where they were derided over, over the summer, the coach, you know, whether he would survive the year, and they used that as a, you know, they, they, it brought them closer and they had this us against the world sort of gang, Mentality. Now, as the year's gone, every, now everyone jumps on board. You know, Collingwood's the you know the great story of the year, and they could beat Richmond, and they could make you know make top four. All these all these positive things, and this is now a little. It's a little reminder of those summer months where you don't don't think that everyone's on our side. That's a, that's how it could be used internally. Of you know, it is us against the world again, and this is another little reminder. So it it can actually bring them closer. But it, it, it could also be the straw that breaks the camel's back of a, of a side that's endured so much with injury already through the year, and this might just be something that, that makes it, you know, just too much to bear. It is extraordinary to look at what their backline was in round one or round yeah. two, and to see that there's pretty much no one there that'll run out uh, against Fremantle on the weekend. Yeah, and, and how brilliantly they've sort of yeah. uh, absorbed that, how brilliantly Nathan Buckley has coached that. Yeah, but uh, maybe the been in Perth and then the week off before the finals, that actually, however they want to address it, it probably gives them a little bit of time now, If it was a it. player of more significance, that would be a, a bigger rupture, would it not? Yes, yes, it, it would. If it was uh, one of the pillars of the club, is there is the 
Um, he's, he is new to the club. That, yep. That's very real. He has been there for a period of time. The drug use has happened while he's been part of it, while he was in the senior team. So you can't sort of wash over that. But, yes, that, that, that's true. All right. Uh, there's plenty more to discuss. So we're going to speak to John Worsfold next. We also need to discuss the situation at St Kilda where a change of president is imminent. Uh, we'll get to Bob's major takeaways too from last night uh, just to give particularly that Essendon point of view. If, if, uh... With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Just joined us. We had a long discussion and uh, played the pretty strong uh, discussion around Ken Hinckley from last night and where Port Adelaide are at. So we'll revisit Port briefly. But turn our attention to the Bombers when we return on Crunch Time. And a whole host of other issues a little later to discuss in the crunch, including the remaining games. Uh, the pick of them, of course, is Hawthorne and Sydney. We'll give you a preview of that with Bob and Dell. This is crunch time for Honda. Find your kind of value at Honda. See honda.com.au and safety barriers save lives. Injured at work in a motor vehicle accident or had a fall in a public space? Speak to Your Claim Lawyers, a no-win, no-fee, personal injury claims law firm that specialises in maximising compensation claims for injured people. Call 1-800-YOUR-CLAIM or yourclaimlawyers.com.au. The award-winning Crunch Time. Find your kind of value at Honda with offers across a range of vehicles. See honda.com.au and the TAC Safety Barriers reduce fatalities by approximately 85%. Safety Barriers save lives, getting us towards zero. The eight finalists are confirmed. Just the places now to be sorted out after Essendon finished its season on a winning note. 22-point victors at the Adelaide Oval. They post 12 and 10, as does Port Adelaide, but they did it in different ways. Essendon won eight of its last 11, and John Warsold, the coach, will join us on Crunch Time shortly. Port lost six of its last seven to squander what looked like a top four, maybe even a top two finish, and miss completely. Crunch time for Honda for your kind of value at Honda. See honda.com.au and the TAC safety barriers save lives, getting us towards zero. Jared Waitley and Anthony Hudson with you, Bob Murphy and Nick Del Santo as well, a couple of minutes away from John Warsfold. So the key takeouts from last night, how do you take the first one and then Bob, you come in off the back of it. Aaron Francis, did he take the mark of the year? I'm watching, I'm watching Heaney, I'm watching Charlie Cameron, I reckon he's in the argument as well and I'm watching Francis and I've all Almost got there on Francis. The extra hang time for me just gives it to him. He, the only disappointing factor, Jared, is that he landed on his feet, and I would have liked to see him just fall a bit further down. But to me, <laughs> the dismount just got it over Isaac Heaney. Um, the player who's missed in all of this, and I'm holding to this, and I'm going to say it over Charlie and over Kerno. and over, is Charlie Kerno's one-on-one Jezelenko mark yeah. on the MCG, which wasn't even in the three nominations no. from that round. That's in. The, I think there are three classic marks, and they are Heaney, Francis, and Charlie Kerno. Um, and I am leaning a little bit towards last night, although I'm having a hard time giving up on Charlie. But that might be yeah. just to be uh, objectionable. Where do you live on that, Bob? Well, I, I agree with parts of what both of you. I, I agree with you, Jared, that they're the three. 
Hutto, I'll go a step further. I think Francis costs him, cost himself the mark of the year because of his terrible, perfect landing. Yeah. You need need to land on your head, Aaron. Uh, but I think he, he gets the photo of the year, Aaron. He, he was the highest, most hang. But I, I give it to Heaney. I give it to Heaney. Degree of difficulty, stage of the game, the, the fact that he was behind, jumped over as a defender. I, yeah, I, dude, took, but... The stage of the game's never counted in this before. I mean, well, maybe it, it is. Well, I just said it is. <laughs> I just <laughs> gave you my view. So, Heaney's is, um, it's a little ungainly. Last night was complete control. Yep. Charlie Kernow marks it at, he's not only up at the highest, but he's reaching and marking that as full stretch. So he's sort of got all the classic and the reach. He didn't get nominated. He didn't even get nominated in the three. That's that's amazing. It's terrible. So what about Aaron Francis more broadly, Bob? Uh, That that was the thing that I I took out of last night that, um, you know, I mean, a lot to talk about, you know, with Port Adelaide and Essen and how, you know, disappointing their seasons have been. Uh, but Aaron Francis last night, he, he looks, he's going to be a star. I mean, he's already, a, he's already a star in my, in my eyes. He, he just looks so accomplished back there. Any, in players, we know how intercept marking players, how valuable they are. We know there'd been a lot of talk about him, but he, he looked like, you know, he could be a future All Australian. Brendan Goddard is, it likely is his last game, but should it be? Should that really be the end? <laughs> It was a good last game. He, he played really well last night. Does that make it better or worse to have a good last game? I don't know. Ask Matty Boyd. <laughs> I think he almost got in the votes in his last game. David Cloak kicked eight in his last game, I think. Um, I mean, he can clearly still play. That, that, that is evident. He was a bit lame the week before, but he was outstanding last night. Yeah, it, 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 they're complex questions, though, aren't they? It's not just about whether you can play. You know, clearly, clearly, Brendan still, you know, got some got some good football there. It's but a, a whole, you know, the, a whole another preseason, a whole other season. Then the demographic of that of that side, um, are they short? Is of it defenders? a football decision, Bob, for him? Do you think for Essendon or or for another club, or is it the, the whole package that is Brendan Goddard with his his personality, his instructive nature, his demanding of other players, which you know. Largely is for good, but does, does an, would another club want to take that on? Uh, I, well, we haven't heard anyone say yet that they that they'd like to take him. I think Brendan, with the way he's, he's you know he's an abrasive character. He's he's you know he's a competitor. He's fierce. He's he's quite um, you know can be quite cutting on the field with his teammates. So I, I I'm not sure if a one year contract s- suits his style, if you know what I mean. Okay, well, let's speak to the coach and he can give us uh, more of an insight into both uh, Brennan Goddard and the year that has been for Essendon. Ultimately disappointing, but the promise is certainly there. Uh, John Worsfold joins us. Thanks for your time, John. Appreciate it. Yeah, no worries. Thank you. Uh, How's it feel this morning? Does it feel a little weird, given how strongly you finished the season? Um, Yeah, I wouldn't say it feels weird, but, uh, yeah, it feels a bit, uh, like, unsatisfied, I suppose, is the word. uh, yeah, we're we're into our um, reviewing um, phase already, which uh, yeah doesn't doesn't feel like we we are ready to do that, but we have to because we didn't do well enough to qualify for the eight. Just on Brendan, um, when did you come to a final decision on it? Was it something that was really up in the air, and was it about your list and who you thought you might be able to get, or how you want to shape your list, or was it purely about Brendan and what he could deliver your your team? Uh, yeah, well, the uh, the decision was really made uh, last week, um, and 
because of uh, the nature of our industry, once we'd made the decision, we felt it was fair on Brendan to uh, communicate that immediately. So, uh, you know, basically within within an hour of the decision being finalised, uh, I was talking to Brendan. Um, and, yeah, overall, the decision is... It's, it's too hard to put it into, into uh, you know, one bracket. It, we weigh up so many things. Um, Brendan, I've got no doubt, could have played solid AFL footy next year. Um, and, but I also have no doubt that he would have slowed up a little bit on this year. Uh, that's just uh, how it works as we get older, and especially when you're starting to get into your mid-30s. Uh, and we do have uh, what we believe is a really talented crop of young players coming through that are heading into their third or fourth season. So um, it's not as though uh, their first or second year players that are going to be pushing um, Brendan potentially out of the lineup. It's the kids like Francis, uh, who we're seeing how quickly he's coming on, um, Redmond, Ridley, Gleeson back next year. Uh, they're all guys that um, haven't played a lot of footy in the back half this year through a variety of reasons. So weigh that up, um, weigh up spots on the list and decisions we have to make about uh, whether we... Uh, need room to trade in a potential player or two. Uh, all, all that gets thrown into the mix and ultimately um, you come up with your decision. Do you think he has got something to offer potentially for another club who are at a different stage? I've got no doubt, yeah, but that's up to every club individually to weigh up where they're at. But, uh, you know, it's, it's always about um, what do you need, what's available, uh, who's out there. Brennan, in terms of his experience uh, and overall leadership and, and what he can but also what he can contribute on the field, um, it's still at AFL level. Um, so really that's up to for a club to say, have they got a spot on their list that they're prepared to, that they need that type of player and that, um, that they can afford to have a player on the list for one, maybe two years. Just on your, back to your team, John, probably just, it's just torturing yourself, but if you'd fallen into eighth place... Would you have pretty strong confidence that you could get at least into a second or maybe even a third week in September? Oh, absolutely. And I think you, you always hope that. Um, if you make the eight, uh, even if you finish eight, you, uh, you'd like to think you're a chance to get uh, in, in, in that first week of the finals especially. So, um, uh, yeah, look, I think we've had pretty good form against the good teams in the competition this year. Um, even down to you know the last month where uh, we, we pushed Hawthorne and Richmond in pretty solid uh, performances without being good enough to beat them. So yeah, that 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 really now we just uh, we can ponder it, but uh, we're never going to know, and uh, we now have to work hard to see if we can get the opportunity next year. John, it's Bob here. Uh, well done last night. I, I appreciate you'd have you'd have mixed mixed emotions about about the season as a whole after last night and, and just missing out on the eight. But do you, when you cast your mind back to that Carlton game, what 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 are the what are the emotion? Is it is it that real twinge of that's the what that's just the one that got away? That's the one that hurt us, or is that is it, is it sort of is that the point where you, where the club after that point really you know hit its straps? Um, yeah, it's a, it's a bit of both. I don't really look at the Carlton game as one game in particular. Um, we, uh, you know, we we only won 12 games, so we needed to win one more to make the finals, or we needed to perform better in those 12 wins to have a better percentage. And so that's over the course of 22 rounds, not just the one game. Um, and you know, as much as we can say that, Sydney could look and say they got beaten by Gold Coast and give us that win if you're going to give. Uh, Essendon and the Carlton win, give us the Gold Coast win and then you, you end up in the same spot. So every club can look at the one that got away. Um, they, they balance out, I believe, over the course of the year. So 
Um, you know, Hawthorne lost to Brisbane down in Tassie, which there's no way they, no one would have predicted that. So, yeah, ultimately over the over the 22 home and away rounds, our consistency of performance delivered us 12 wins and a and a percentage of around 105, and that shows how much we've got to improve to uh, to become a real contender. Can I ask you about one of your players? I, I keep a close eye on the on the halfback flank fraternity, and I want, I want to ask you about uh, Adam Saad, who's who's more of a um, defibrillator to a game of football than he is a halfback flanker. He just injects something so unpredictable and brings a chaos to the game that I'm not sure we've ever really seen. What, in in coaching, Adam, how, how do you? What sort of instructions do you give him, or do you just kind of give him a bit of um, a bit of free reign to to run and create and and, and try and unsettle the opposition? Uh, yeah, that's a good question because um, yeah, he, I think I had the defibrillator out for myself earlier. Game, <laughs> which way he was going to go? <laughs> we had Ford uh, hitting up the ground to him, and he would just take off at right angles in another direction. <laughs> Uh, and all of a sudden, we'd have no one to kick to. But, um, yeah, obviously, I've learned a fair bit about Adam over the course of the year. Not only, uh, you know, what he brings in terms of his uh, footy, but his personality and how to talk to him during the week and, and how to, uh, you know, get a feel for how he is on match day as well. And I've really enjoyed that. He's a, he's a quality young man and he's got a good sense of humour. And um, Overall, uh, yeah, ultimately... He, he can do two things. He can actually defend really well one-on-one. He's got great closing speed. Uh, he doesn't, he's strong in the body. He doesn't really get held out of contests. And if the ball does hit the ground in those contests, uh, he can win it and be gone straight away. So, you know, he, he was deep on Robbie Gray a fair bit last night. And I know Mark Harvey was keen to try and get him up the ground. But it, we're also happy with him defending really good players deep because we know at some point, even if, he wins it deep, he'll still break lines and get going. So uh, we're not desperate to have him high up the ground to try and really carve up through the middle of the ground all the time. We're happy for him to, to start our rebound from deep as well, which which is a nice uh, strength to have. So we don't have to react too much to what the opposition are doing. And what about Aaron Francis? How important was the you know the last month of the season just for his confidence? Because he, he looks like a, he's going to be a star. Yeah, it was massive for him. You know, it's, He's really uh, done a huge amount of work this year. Uh, as much I'm learning about himself uh, and a little bit about the, you know the pressure of the AFL environment and how he can cope with that. Um, as much you know, he's always had supreme confidence in his own footy ability. So to actually uh, hang in there for a long period in the VFL until we really felt it was the right time for us and for him to come into the team to. Uh, to get the maximum benefit out of it uh, and reduce the risk of him coming in and maybe not reaching expectations and feeling added pressure. He, he really uh, bought into that and committed to it, as frustrating as it was for him for a while, and even for our supporters for a while. They wanted to see him. Uh, and then it, it came together. He, he played really well first up, and he had a really struggled against Hawthorne where he learnt a lot. Uh, but we backed him in, you know, there, uh, to, to bounce back from that Hawthorne game and to learn from it and... You know, finished off really well. John, your recruiting targets came up trumps. I'm sure that'll be quite clear when you get to best and fairest night with Devin Smith and then Sard and Stringer. How specific are you in, in what you want this time around for next year? Well, yeah, we're always fairly specific. We, we have like a, a, uh, a list, you know, probably um, that we prioritise about what's what's ultimately the number one thing we need and then if uh, if that's not possible what else would 
strengthen our list. And then it, sometimes it comes down to what's available as well. So, you know, all of a sudden you may be thrown into the mix of a, a trade either directly with another club or in a, in a three-way deal that may be happening that you think, OK, well, we hadn't really considered looking for that type of player, but that player in particular could add, you know, massive benefit to our list. So you've got to be ready to move and adjust and, and uh, that's where the constant communication as a list management committee happens throughout that period. So, yeah, we, we do have um, priorities that we'd be looking for, but that doesn't guarantee that you'll get them in that order. What is your number one priority? Uh, I, I won't declare that. Um, I'll keep that close to our chest. But, um, you know, it's, it's fair to say that uh, basically anything that we think can up our list and make it better, whichever area it is, um, you know, there's a lot of talk about uh, earlier in the year about a big body midfielder for us, but uh, our midfield has really grown and performed really well throughout the year. Uh, and with, you know, David Myers having probably his best year for the club and Kyle Langford uh, in his first really good run as a, as a midfielder showing a massive growth, um, all of a sudden that priority doesn't become, you know, as critical. Not to say that we wouldn't. Um, continue to look at the availability of players out there. So, um, yeah, on we go, and we'll see what what may unfold. So it was three last year, and that is a coup, I reckon, getting three. Is do, would you like to add three again? Is it one? Is it two? What's your ideal? Uh, yeah, well, what you can bring in depends um, on what you can give up. Last year, we had uh, some high draft picks. Um, so this year, because I think we. I can't remember exactly, but I think we traded out one of maybe our second round pick this year. So it does get a bit tighter. We don't have quite as much to take to the table. So that will dictate. Um, I wouldn't expect that we would bring three in and um, probably not even two. So, But we will be open to explore all that. Um, so, again, it really depends on what you're prepared to, uh, to sell to bring things in. Who wins the flag, John? Well, yeah, look, I've... Uh, been really impressed with uh, with Richmond, um, not only directly against us, but obviously their their current form is outstanding, and their form at the MCG is uh, is really strong. So um, I think they're in the box seat. Biggest danger of the rest? Um, yeah, that's a that's a tough one. Um, You're a tough man, John. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. Oh, I really don't know. Um, I'll, oh. If I go with my heart, I'd say West Coast. You know, I'd like to see them. Um, you know, if they do end up with a, a home final, that really gives them the opportunity to progress strongly and, and maybe get through. Thanks for joining us. Uh, as you said, a, a, a bit of a, a bittersweet way to end the season, but certainly Bomber fans would have every reason to be pretty excited about what's to come. Uh, thanks for being with us uh, through the season. Appreciate it. Thanks very much. John Morsfold, the Essendon coach. So just a final word on the Bombers. I, so they I won round that, one against yeah. Adelaide, and then they right. lost six out of seven from there. So, you know, you block up their first eight weeks and how they set it up. And this is why it's not a wasted year, because they they, they learnt through that period. Is And you don't, get, you don't get the last stretch without living through the first eight. Now, ideally... They're not that team in the first eight weeks, but there was a certain truth to that anyway. Yeah, there, there and was. it wasn't until they actively changed could, that they became a better side. Could they have done any damage in September, really, do you think? Um, no, I don't think so. I don't I, think, I don't so think they're the... They don't feel to me like the, the hot team storming the finals. If we had the wild cards round, 7v10 and 8v9, yeah. they'd still probably miss because North Melbourne should take their place 
tomorrow. So it would be, say, Melbourne beat the Giants, it would be North versus the Giants and Geelong versus Port Adelaide. Well, Port Adelaide is completely clapped out, so that wouldn't work. And you'd still miss Essendon finishing 11th if you had the wild card round so if North win. So it's just... It's, it's one thing to go, well, we could, but what would it give us? I don't think it would quite give us the matchups. It would make um, the Giants and Melbourne a huge game, though. The safe harbour of sixth versus having to play the following week is the winner would get safe yeah. harbour and the loser would be tipped into a wild card game. That is very true. Uh, a quick word on the Saints, if we can. Um, obviously, there is looming change from a, a presidential aspect. Uh, with uh, Peter Summers uh, handing over to Andrew Bassett as early as next week. So what sort of other changes are we are we going to see, do you think? So does Bassett, as a long-term board member, um, continue in a linear way the work that has been put in place, or does this give that one moment to go, well, it's a new leadership regime and thus we review every position going into the new season? And added to that, I mean... Finance has been a big question about what they've, you know, with contracts with Richo and their debt, $10 million debt. He's a very, very wealthy man. So it will be interesting to see whether there's any, that comes into things and, and therefore changes the, the landscape at all. So I think there's a school of thought, isn't there, that the day he becomes president is the day St Kilda's debt is wiped off. Mm. I don't know how real that is no. or not, but there is Doesn't sort of often a perception happen, but... around that. Yes. Um, yeah, is a, a new regime gives a chance to go, well, how are we? Uh, you know, all of these decisions have been made and they're in train, but I'm the new leader and I want to revisit this part of it. It's been a big week for leadership, hasn't it? Yeah. Yes, well, hopefully they'll be a bit more stable. than At least the, he's the number one choice. That's true. Uh, a late change for Gold Coast, by the way. Ben Ainsworth has been replaced by Josh Schoenfeld in the uh, in the Gold Coast lineup, and there is no changes for the Cats. Uh, how big a list change do you think they'll beat St Kilda, Bob? Do you, uh... Uh, oh, gee, that's I'm not too sure. Had I, I haven't I haven't looked at the St Kilda list uh, forensically. Um, I'd be sort of there's I'd only so much yeah. any club can do, isn't it? And so a player like so Jack, they'll do as much as they can. Yeah, a player like Jack view. Loney is really interesting, isn't it? I mean, what does the last four or five games of the year? How does that change a club's percept- perception on a player and other clubs' perceptions of a player too? Well, yeah, it can change a lot too, especially with without knowing the the, the conversations that go on inside a football club. But he he'd be a, a classic example of you know in in the last part of the year when they when they've known their fate of hey you know you've got to show us something or um, there, there could there could you know quite well be a few of those players at St Kilda that have already been playing for their careers. Luke Dunstan's another one that other I'm sure there'll be other clubs that'll be interested in him. I think he's contracted, but uh, or contracted, but uh, he could be another one that you know could easily St Kilda might go right. We've we've got to make some calls on some players yeah. here and see what we can get back. Oh, I think they'll trade a couple of players who have currency, and it's not that they wouldn't be in their best no. twelve players, but they don't have a whole lot that has currency, and they need to make substantial change to their list. It's the only way to do it. Jack Billings is probably the most fascinating of, of the calls on that front, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. So what... What? I think they would have to be asking the question, what could we get for him? And then you balance it up. Well, that, it's just not enough to warrant doing it. No. Or that's our way back in, in into the early part of the draft. The, the whole... The whole uh, when you've got a high pick... And how different that makes you look at him is really fascinating. I mean, because now we've seen Jack Watts go to Port Adelaide and essentially be the same player that he was yeah. at Melbourne. So there's some evidence. It's, you know, the fact where Jack Billings was picked, is that part of the assessment or not? Um, 
It's can you get? It, it's will he be? Is he going to be that player that he that the pick suggested he was? The answer to that is no. So you recalibrate and go. Can we can we trade up for him? Can we get something that he's not quite going to be? So and they're margin calls. Yes. And I wouldn't pretend from the outside to have the answer to that. But he is one of the players who might have the currency that they need, and they need something early in the draft for mine. All right. Uh, before we break, Adam Cooney is at the Live City Grand Launch. Uh, a great uh, event out there in the heart of Footscray. How are you, Coons? Yeah, very good, boys. I'm down here with Footscray legend, Franco Cotto. He's driving the uh, crowd mad at the moment. We've got uh, sensible Liberatore Tony's coming down. I think I'm having a tug of war with him at some stage. But uh, there's free food, free drinks down here. So I'm at the corner of Ballarat Road and Farnsworth Avenue, live city. As I said, Tony's going to be down here soon. Well, Franco, Franco, can you just yell something for the people of SCN? They want Hello, this is the voice of a football day. Come <laughs> along on the live receipt of a football day. It's the best of the best. Yeah. <laughs> Ciao. <laughs> Ciao. Franco's worked the crowd into a frenzy, so I get down here. There's plenty going on. Adam, uh, it's Bob here. You're back in back in the old stomping ground of Footscray. What, what's your technique with the with the tug of war? Are you up front or are you the anchor out the back? Uh, well, at this stage, I think it might be a one-on-one with uh, with Tony. So, <laughs> good. I might have to go one of his techniques and go the eye gouge straight away. I was going to say, just keep keep a safe distance. Make sure he adheres to the rules because he occasionally could bend them. <laughs> he's a lot fitter than me too at the moment. He's got he's a lower center. He's got a good low center of gravity. He's actually built for a tug of war. Yeah, what about the quads on him? <laughs> Quadzilla. Maybe good luck, mate. There. But anyway, good luck, Coons. Uh, free food, drinks, entertainment, live music, kids' activities, a whole lot more. You can get out to Live City, 124 to 188 Ballarat Road. Speaking of Footscray, they play Richmond here, Bob. Uh, they finished the year pretty strongly, your boys. I didn't, they weren't quite as impressive last week against Carlton, but you feel like there's, from what could have been a, a really horrid year. They've been able to, to get something to work with going forward. Yeah, I mean, it, it's been a classic mixed bag for the Dogs this year. But, the, yeah, the, I mean, they were a bit scrappy last week, got away with the win. But, they, you know, they finished with, you know, they've had won the last three weeks. Uh, today, obviously, a much tougher assignment against the Tigers. But the good has been very good, and it's been that, you know, that swarming beverage-style footy we've seen, but we haven't seen four quarters. So they've blooded some good young players, Richards and... Gowers, Norton, those sort of so yeah, some some uh, some nice green shoots, Hutto, for, for the dogs this year, but they have to reload for next year. I spoke to Luke Beveridge after the North Melbourne game with an eye towards Richmond, just on what different coaching groups would have planned for the mm. final series, and he gave a very strong hint that they would roll something different out against Richmond just for the hell of it in round twenty three to love see it. how that. So th- this could be a really interesting afternoon with not a lot sitting on it, but. If Beveridge's group has put a bit of time into a different way to play Richmond's, is that sort of one of the keys to the season? Ooh, this, has got, this has got Terry Wallace super flood written all yeah, over it yeah, from year 2000. Yeah, just something different. Just a late hand grenade, just for the hell of it. <laughs> we love it. All right, we will take a break. There's a lot of other issues regarding a lot of other teams to discuss. Uh, Nick Del Santo will rejoin us as we throw those topics around. This is Crunch Time for Honda. Find your kind of value at hondachonda.com.au and the TAC Safety Barriers Save Lives getting us towards zero. Coaches' extensions on the menu, the big game between Sydney and Hawthorne, and mental health for players will all be addressed. Deck maintenance isn't fun. Move the furniture and barbecue, sand and prep, paint, seal, or get a low-maintenance Trex deck. 
The only colour fade you'll have to deal with is watching the sunset. Trex, the world's number one decking brand. This is crunch time for Honda, your kind of value at Honda. See honda.com.au and the TAC safety barriers save lives, getting us towards zero. Jared Waitley, Anthony Hudson, Bob Murphy and Nick Del Santo with you. Essendon finished off their season in winning style, but neither of the teams from last night will see finals. And it clears the way to delve into the issues of the week. Separate to Sam Murray and the drug investigation the rest, that's on offer to us. It was an interesting week, Bob and Nick. Dane Beams gave the most raw interview imaginable on Fox Footy, and the Players Association, sort of almost by coincidence, really began a, a campaign to support players speaking about mental health issues. And it did bring to the forefront how prevalent they are in clubs and how they want that normalised as just part of what young men would go through in their normal lives, let alone their professional lives. What's your what's your understanding of of how this area has has grown, either in terms of recognition or the stresses that are facing players currently? I think the the, the level of anxiety uh, in the game is 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 quite significant um, because for lots of reasons, really. I mean, a lot of it, you know, the the, the performance aspect of it, but the the visibility of these things, young men um, at an impressionable age coming into a professional environment at 18, so it really does go. The career picks up a lot of speed from from amateur underage schoolboys to you know a visible professional environment. So I think it's a rapidly uh, changing culture of of footballers in the AFL, um, you know, and more, more power to, to Dane Beams. You know, he's just the latest in a, in a, a, a long line now of, of players who showing that kind of vulnerability and and not losing any any strength from it. In fact, I think it's kind of adding adding to this, um, the aspect of, you know, we talked about during the week, the, the, the changing masculinity in the game. Um, but, yeah, I mean, having said all that, the, the Dane Beams interview was incredibly raw, to, to, you know, talking about whenever someone... Is openly talking about suicidal thoughts. That's that's about as heavy as it gets. So, um, quite a complex issue. Um, can, Bob, can I pick you up on the anxiety uh, piece? And I, look, I've heard you talk about this before, but how different is that now to when you ended? And same with you, Dal. Is it is it greater greater heightened by the increased media, the social media, or is it a general culture change that has heightened that, or has it actually changed? And is it actually just being dealt with in a different way, a different type of person that now comes through? No, I, I think it's I think it's uh, escalated, Hutto. I think a lot of it because oh, the you know the media, and I think that's 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 a pretty narrow view of it. That really the the expectations on players goes up internally, and that that I mean, just for an example, we never used to film training, did we, Nick? Like, and that that came in. I'm not sure, you know, five, six years ago, seven years ago. So the the pressure internally of footy clubs goes up because everything's marked and critiqued, and that, and that might not sound like a lot, but there's you introduce social media to things. That's what I mean about the visibility that that players win, lose, or draw. They play well, don't play well. Everything's marked, critiqued, judged, and and these are these are young men. Um, so it's a yeah, it's I think clubs are dealing with it better. I think players are, are now. You know, leadership groups, older, the elders of a football club, are more experienced, are better at handling these things internally. But it goes up and up every year. The the the, the microscope on players and the judgment on them increases every year. An incredible interview um, from Beams and, and the Beams brothers. 
But when I heard that, Bob, I must admit, I wasn't surprised. And I think sometimes we get so wrapped up in the football world and how fortunate players are. And, you know, the general public will reference the lifestyle and the money and how can these guys have any concerns in life? My take on it is they're not immune to anything because you play AFL football. Mm. You're not immune to having issues with drugs, with gambling, with alcohol, with depression, with anxiety issues. Grief. Grief. Just because you play AFL football... It doesn't mean you're excluded from society's issues. It doesn't mean you're excluded from what's going on in the community. We're still a part of the community. Yes, on the weekends you get to play the game that most of us love for two hours and you're in the spotlight and there's a lot that comes with that. But Monday to Friday, you're just like everybody else and you can't get away from that. So we hear about um, Sam Murray's drug, uh, the drug talk over the last few days. Does it surprise me? No, and not in, not in some ways. We hear about players getting done for drink driving. Does it surprise me? No, because just because you play footy, it doesn't mean all these other aspects in your life get pushed aside because you're earning really good money and you live this glamorous lifestyle. You don't get to have both sides of the coin. Yeah, I guess in some ways some of those things are magnified. In others, though, they should be better prepared and educated. I, I do wonder where this all leads us as, the, as these things naturally flow down to junior level and that... Those pressures and that accountability that um, Bob's talking about. And there's different issues within this. I mean, groups are a very different issue to some of the other uh, issues of accountability we're talking about. But it, it flows down in a, in a period where we're talking about draft age and professionalising even further the TAC. I, I sort of wonder where all this leads. So, yeah, the, the potential for televising under-18s yeah. and the scrutiny of 17-year-olds coming through and, and the dissection of it and the public commentary that... It really isn't associated with the only public commentary I reckon that starts to come in around the key draft picks is positivity. Yeah. There's this wave of all and I, of I wouldn't want that to and, change because yeah. you talk to recruiters and that's their job. They have to judge these players, but they can be harsh in their and, and they have to be in saying, well, you know, Waitley hasn't got a left foot, so I'm not picking him. But uh, do we really want 17 year olds being, uh, you know, he- hearing that public comment? It's interesting, isn't it? I mean, I. I I view it's actually not bad. He's left football. <laughs> <laughs> I, I view that the the moment the football changed in my own mind was you play you know you play at your local club um, and that the game was in the moment. It was a pure joy of the instinct. And you chase the ball, win, lose, but it was in. And once it was gone, it was you'd left it behind. It was in the moment. And then it was and then it was gone. Then you get to under and it was just a little thing of now just a small bit of video. So then. You, it's not quite professional, but you are moving into now you revisit thing, and the, the 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 pure thrill, the pure enjoyment of that kid, it just starts to change. And that was that's 20 years ago, so I, I imagine that the under 18 competition is far more sophisticated than that now. But that's that's a that's a big step. Do you think for a young player coming through and say they're in their mid-teens, working their way through to TAC Cup or the equivalent around Australia, that that becomes their normal though? Is there any way that we might be going through a transition so the players that are struggling with anxiety, the pressures of the game that probably haven't had the professionalism as a youngster that then move into the AFL world and becomes a lot more heat on them and expectation perhaps. and, yeah, and Maybe, assessment. Yeah. But if you're a young kid, you don't know any different. You've always been assessed. You've always been spoken about as a potential or Waitley's mm. left foot wasn't as good as we thought it was at the age of 15 rather than at the age of 18 or 21 when they're at a footy club. I want to see how long I can carry this weight. Yeah, let's let's stick with it, Hutto. I like it. Feeling um, hard done by Get out there and do some work on it, Jared. But uh, let's. Can we move on to coaches' extensions, Jared? Yes. I think this is a fascinating topic, and um, 
Oh, we've seen the extension of Chris Fagan, very understandable. The Chris Scott discussion we've already had with Brian Cook. But some people, certainly in that camp, that coaches very rarely get poached. Now, there would be obviously clearly be the potential for that to happen. But when is the right time to extend a coach? And should you ever let a coach, given the evidence we've had, are you comfortable with a coach going into a final year where his contract about to run out, given what goes around it? Oh, it's a tough one. I mean, even just quickly thinking about it from a player's perspective, I I can never honestly remember feeling anxious that my senior coach at that stage hadn't been re-signed if they were in their last year of their contract. I think players are really good at focusing on what they can control. And they've got, as we just touched on, so much going on in their own life to make sure that they play decent football. And for the team, I don't think many players extend that feeling towards the coach necessarily. Now, I did see the reaction when Damien Hardwick got re-signed and the joy that that brought the Tigers. But I reckon that probably highlights their relationship and how special that is. Now, when is the right time, Hutto? Great question. I think we only really speak about that in hindsight. About I, I like the Fagan one in particular. I think that's a, a great move to lock him in and give that young group some security, maybe something they haven't had for a period of time. So if you're a player there, you know what the messaging is going to be for a period of time. Now, within that playing group, as as at probably every club, you're going to have players that love the senior coach. You're going to have players that aren't quite sure because they're on the fringe, and you probably have players that don't like them because they're playing reserves. It's just the way that it is. But I like the Fagan one, and I reckon the, the way that Chris Fagan has come across this year has been a real pros- positive for the Lions, and I think the back end of this year probably shows that with their performances on field. So I think there's a couple of scenarios here. As, as part of it is, are you getting to a point of judgment? So the Lions are not at any point of judgment next year. Yep. They originally signed for three years. You, go, you can't actually do the job in three years. It's a five-year block. So as long as Chris Fagan has proven to you that he is capable of, A, doing the job, and, B, running it to its full course, then you have to give him that five-year yeah, block. Yeah, you're on the right track. The so the counterpoint to your argument, Dal, is it, the anxiety was very real at Collingwood last year, yep. and it's it was counterproductive to what they tried to do, and had Collingwood reached their decision early in the year that Nathan Buckley was going to be their guy and re-signed him, it would have removed all of that, and who's to say they wouldn't have grown into what they have grown into this year with the certainty and the surety around it. Now, that, it doesn't work in every case, but I do think, especially in the highest high-profile cases, and Buckley was that, is the weekly the weekly toll that took on Collingwood, and it was an inhibiting fact that Scott Pendlebury spoke about it in moments during the year, Nathan Buckley spoke about it, and they all recognised it in hindsight. They they stifled themselves by refusing to make a decision. But it does go, every now and then a club's entitled to put their coach on trial and say, you're yeah. going to make this work or not, because if you're not, we're probably finished with you. Did you think, were you surprised at the length of the Chris Scott extension? Uh, yes, but only in so far as... They obviously came together and go, what, what's our vision here? We're not just adding a, a year on and, and continuing the journey. So I think it tells you a little bit about what they're trying to do across a period of time. They're not just trying to win a flag year on year on year. So what are you willing to do that? So we talked about the Chris Fagan situation. So what's the Chris Scott Geelong situation now? So is it three years, the, ex, the extension? So he'll coach for four more. So that is yep. a, after that's a eight significant, years, that's it? a really big recommitment to have four years on the end from both coach and team. Yep. So I think that tells you what they've debuted 15 players, and we spoke with Brian Cooker, but they've debuted 15 players across two years. Is that, as they call it, transition? is clearly ongoing. So, and 
and he, from the day he got into the job, has sort of served two masters, the current and the future, and he's obviously... Yeah, well, he's turned the list over almost completely from, from the premiership team, which is super impressive. I think, and again, one thing we discussed with Brian Cook, trying to judge someone that... How you judge Chris Scott is really fascinating because you've got... On one hand, you've got premierships, which they haven't achieved, or back to the grand final since his, since his first year, but his winning record is phenomenal. So... You know, but he plays a lot of games at a, at a ground where they're incredibly successful and he inherited a strong team, but he has transitioned the list and they've still got that very strong. So it's really interesting that, that clearly, as Brian Cook said, they've got the faith in him, uh, and they've been prepared to extend it to, to that degree. So this is crunch time for Honda. Find your kind of value at Honda. See honda.com.au and the TAC safety barriers save lives, getting us towards zero. Up next, we'll look at the flashpoints of round 23. The eight is settled, but there's still a lot to be determined within. Nick and Bob will run their eye over the games to come next. Injured at work in a motor vehicle accident or had a fall in a public space? Speak to Your Claim Lawyers, a no-win, no-fee, personal injury claims law firm that specialises in maximising compensation claims for injured people. Call 1-800-YOUR-CLAIM or yourclaimlawyers.com.au. Welcome back to Crunch Time for Honda. Find your kind of value at Honda. Honda.com.au and the TAC Safety Barriers Save Lives, getting us towards zero. We are in the middle of the crunch uh, for the TAC Safety Barriers, as we said, save lives, getting us towards zero. Let's turn our attention to the games of football that will finish the home and away season of round 23. Uh, there's a number that probably don't have too much uh, sway, or certainly no sway in terms of finals places, but a couple of absolute crackers. Sydney and Hawthorne tonight at the SCG. Doubt remains over Buddy Franklin. And, I mean, a simple question of who do you think is going to win this, Bob, is where we might start with that one. Oh, with eyes closed, I pointed to Sydney. That's kind of <laughs> how, that was that was how close it got. They've rekindled their that that special that special bloods kind of form in the last couple of weeks and plenty of feeling between these two sides, but it really was a toss of the coin for me. I'll oh, just give them the so nod. So if, if Buddy doesn't play, does that, is that enough to sway your tip? Uh, yes. Yep. That's the difference here. Yep. Buddy in or Buddy out. Buddy in, Buddy out. <laughs> yeah, very good. Yep. Oh, I'm with you, Bob. I mean, I say the Swans with absolute no confidence. I respect both clubs so highly for what they've probably done in the past, mm. but they've done it again this year. I mean, yeah. we ruled the, the Swans out of any nearly finals contention, let alone contending for the Premiership about a month ago, but they do what they do. Yeah. They speak about this Bloods culture and they turn around, they win the ones you don't expect. Now, Chip Frawley's out as well for the Hawks, so does that mean if Buddy plays that he either gets Brand or Burden? And you yeah. think the way that he took on Finlayson last week after uh, there was an injury in the first, uh, halfway through the second quarter, he'll be licking his lips if he gets that matchup. But I'm with you, Bob. I think the Swans... With absolute no confidence. What happened to so, Buddy can, during the week? Buddy trained with boots on during the week. I thought, I, oh, that's that was a huge sign. At least he over, trained. Over, overtrained. <laughs> overtrained. <laughs> yeah, he's he, done he put, too much. He shouldn't he wasn't meant to wear his boots? <laughs> yeah, he put boots on and took to the fields. Anything more than that, I think, would be overstating okay. what took place. <laughs> yes, but they, they wouldn't have won any of their past three without him. No, so I do think. It, but it's they did win early in the relevant. year without yeah. him, didn't they? So that's uh, things to, to weigh up. His left foot is, is pretty good, by the way, Buddy. Um, <laughs> Yeah. Who just in almost in a word, who's got a better chance of beating Richmond if they do happen to finish fourth out of these two sides in that first week of the finals? Ooh, Sydney great, or Hawthorne? Great question. I'll, I'll say the Hawks. I, I think the Hawks, with what they've got balance wise and what they can do offensively, would really give them a shake. 
on their on their day. Yeah, I'll I'll stick with. I'll stick with the Swans. I think they'd be keen to have another crack at them after they were really disappointing when they when they came up against the Tigers last time. But they they look to me to be slightly different. But Buddy Buddy in, in a bit more touch. I, I love Heaney back yep. when they played the Tigers last time. Gary Rowan was playing that role and was all at sea. I think they've, they'll, they'll, they'd be keen for another look at the Tigers. Do you, do you think the Swans they need to kick 18 goals to beat the Tigers? Can, can they can the Swans play that brand of football and get that many goals? Franklin's on 57. Haywood's next on 28. Then he goes to Parker, who's a really a midfielder on 24. Ronk, Papley, and Heaney. Swans would mm. almost be the exception, wouldn't they, to having to kick 18 goals or whatever to beat Richmond? You reckon they could nullify them enough, well, Hutto, to, to kick their 12 to 14? With another weight. How important is it, and I've heard you speak about this, Bob, so I might ask Dale, how important is it for Melbourne to beat GWS to, as far as the finals is concerned? Uh, a important little, or not? Yeah, a little bit, but I think it'll only be in important if something changes in September so I think we'll look back on the D's and we're going to judge the D's on what they do in September. I don't think this game in regards to the way that we look at them will have any judgement or definitely from my perspective will have any assessment on how they go for the year. I would respectfully disagree with that. This is the this is part two of the the three blocks that that could really set them up uh, this week their favourites this week Expectation. This is one of this has been one of those one of those little things that's tripped them up in the past. I think if they can go in, knock over GWS, go into a final series with genuine momentum, yep, then it sets them up for the for the for the big one in the first. And if they, I've said this a few times, but if they win that first final, yes. the whole complexion of the season changes. Can I see that and then raise you one? If they win <laughs> this weekend and roll the Giants, what happens if they lose in a fortnight's time? Weekend off. Play, lose in a fortnight's time. Does that round 23 game make any difference then? Well, no, because that, that, the, the, the three has to, the three is sort of is the ribbon on the whole situation. <laughs> yeah, have yeah. To and get it's the all, final. They've got to get all the, they've got to tick all these three. But what you're, what you're saying, and I take your point, and all jokes aside, that the momentum and the confidence that last week will build. Yep. Beating the Giants, who we all everyone, think are... I mean, everyone wants momentum going into yep. a final. Blind Freddie could tell you that. But I think for the Demons, it's, it's, it's magnified. Yeah, okay. Will the, the Collingwood-Sam Murray affair affect the team at all, do you think? At least in terms of playing Fremantle. Yes, it, it either is the straw that breaks the camel's back. They've endured a lot of injuries, but could, could it splinter them? Or could it be another uh, situation that brings that group closer together that is is that you know that accentuates the us against the world gang mentality that they have they have sort of protected for all of the for the for the whole year but it's it could go either way the galvanizing yeah. of the group oh, i think that's a great result for the pies now that they're playing in perth i think that's a great opportunity to get away and you speak about us against the world mentality you often have that anyway when does you go feel like that interstate doesn't it does it? so i think that's a great maybe a blessing in disguise that that's part of the message we've got 22 brothers and teammates and we're going to go out to war today in you know in the football terminology get the job done and we go back and rebuild on that. So, yeah, I think it's a blessing in disguise that they're out of Melbourne this weekend. Carlton play Adelaide tonight. I'm doing this game. I'm looking for something to get excited about. I haven't found anything yet, but um, I'm sure I will by the time the ball is bounced. Mitch McGovern, is, is he the right man for Carlton to be targeting? He's a good age, good experience, good talent, but just structurally. Anyone want to have an yeah, opinion Yeah, I'm, I'm quickly thinking about it, Hutto. I think they've McGovern... They've got tall forwards, they've got tall defenders, but he, you know, he's obviously a player of talent. So. Uh, yeah, that, anyone who can play, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. When you win one one game for the year, anyone who can play, get two. them in. Find yeah. a spot, two, two wins. Half their 
victories. I apologise. It's a great. Jared, put you up to that. It's a great question, Hutto. It's it's the one about do you go and get what you really need in your in your identifier position and a style of player. Or do you just want to get really good players in your footy club? Now, you look at the uh, the Blues, and they've got some really good players. They're probably not at their peak just yet, but they will be. I don't see an issue by getting a McGovern in. It might slow down someone else's development, but it's a brutal game, Bob. And mm. if you if you could get a McGovern in for the right price, you don't sell the farm to get these sort of guys in. But if, it, if it's the right price and it fits, I'd be more than comfortable that they went hard at him. Yeah, I think, for yeah, I a guy who can him. play. He can play. Yeah, get him, no, get him in. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, does it involve pick one? I don't think because he's pick... got to be more than can play. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. Not, yeah not, for, so. not for pick uh, one. If they get the mid first round pick, I think that's the okay. one that it would uh, would involve. So if they can do that, maybe it is worth it. But I'm sure they'd probably rather bolster their midfield. But uh, beggars can't be choosers, as they say. So we'll wait and see with that one. Um, the other game that uh, just there's not much coming back the other way to suggest Mitch McGovern's not leaving. No, there's not. Like there's, no. there's sort was... of hollow statements being made around. Well, until he walks into my office, yeah, but that's not really. Smoking... The... Hang on, hang on. He's not going anywhere. Once is he it? said smoke and fire, I thought. Well, <laughs> I think we've just about conceded it at that stage. <laughs> you Who wins the Coleman it. boys to finish with? Jacks oh. up by two. What I, I, ben Brown's I, target I, needs to be. I think just as in, an intriguing question is who wants it the most? Because you know, <laughs> you know who's the, got a who? contract? Uh, <laughs> yeah, bonus. An incentive. Yeah, I reckon at least one of them has. Or right, and, and a sub question: who who will check their phone first after they've kicked their their bag? Who well, will? to Ben Brown's advantage, he's the last game yeah. tomorrow afternoon, so he'll know exactly what he needs to do. I did hear Ben speak during the week saying, "I'm not going to change my game style. I'm just going to play." And I thought, well, Ben. Your game style is you lead, you put your arms out, and you take it at its highest point. That's your whole game anyway. A very good politician I don't think response, though. I don't think he's going to be getting front and centre, is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Ben plays right. the way that he plays. That's it, boys. Thank you for being with us on Crunch Time, of course. The crunch for the TAC, safety barriers save lives, getting us towards zero. And Crunch Time, once again, for Honda. Find your kind of value at Honda. See honda.com.au. And the TAC, safety barriers save lives, getting us towards zero. Enjoy your footy. Stay with us here. It's Ty Power's Big Footy final sale. To kick things off, you can get the power to buy three and get one free on selected Toyo passenger car and SUV tyres. Ty Power's Big Footy final sale can't last. Visit typower.com.au now.